Hi, welcome to Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. This podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Atlanta, where our pastors and members dig deeper into the sermon and its text together. Our goal is to consider new questions and observations while looking at the passage so that we might more practically apply God's word to our life. If you have a question for our pastors, please feel free to engage our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. Or if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our sermon talk back. Well, guys, the sermon talk back, um, we have tried a lot of uh, avenues on this. It was the Will Kinds show there for a little while, uh, interviewing different folks. Um, but, you know, I think we should just, you know, I think we're kind of saying, well, let's just go back to the old format, talk about the sermon, and we've got a few sermons to talk about. Um, we're really going to talk about this whole, like, John 9 and 10 series. We still have one more week left, but we've made it two sermons in John 9. Two sermons in John 10, and of course we have one more in John 10 this week. Um, but just to kind of chop it up and talk about it and kind of say, okay, is there is there more from this text that we maybe should have been talking about? Get to any of your questions. I mean, that's something I, I would always say, too, if you do have questions uh, about the sermons, we love to talk about them on the talk back. Um, and so, yeah, let's go ahead and jump in. I'm joined today with Jennifer McClish and Jackson Randall, really Great for you guys to talk about this. Um, John 9 and 10. I mean, a lot of this kind of is anchored in this miracle that happens at the beginning of John 9, where Jesus heals this man who was blind from birth. Um, and then, of course, there's a lot of reaction to that. And Jesus, even in throughout John 10, is explaining who he is and, and what his nature is. And, of course, he uses this shepherd and door and voice language that we can certainly get to, but yeah, I mean, just in general, before we jump in, what are some things, I mean, I, I really have enjoyed studying these two chapters of scripture. Mm-hmm. What are some things kind of in general that has helped you guys out in terms of just understanding the nature of God and who God is in Christ and 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 how the Lord has revealed himself? Yeah, I've always loved this passage. For one thing, it's such a great story um, and it has so much um, irony and reversal right. and all those mm-hmm. things that you're just like, but there's so much in it. And I think this time around hearing you preach through it, just reminded again that um, what a picture of our spiritual blindness, mm-hmm. especially before we you know, step into reality with God, which is only through Christ. And yet even seeing after being uh, in Christ and in this reality that um, how I can still be susceptible to spiritual blindness, that there is always healing that needs to take place. And so just when you like kind of highlighted the ways that that happens for us, like to get caught up in an ideology or to get, um, you know, syncretized, I think you used the word with cultural things that feel and seem very Christian. And yet it definitely takes you um, off course very quickly um, if you look to that more um, for your understanding and of, you know, who Christ is as opposed to just like the actual word of God and actually Christ, like really looking at him like we were able to do in this story and see who he is, you know, at the heart. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's very easy to have a kind of Christianity that isn't very Christian. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's what we see really on display. And, and I think the way that this story kind of speaks in our modern context. Jackson, what are your kind of general thoughts? And we can just jump in. Yeah, well, again, John 9 and 10 are awesome passages. And like, what do they reveal about God in Christ? Well, so much. And, you know, there's there's these great I am statements about Jesus being the light of the world or the door, or the, the good shepherd. So there's a lot there that's just really sweet. I think for me in particular this time through, the whole idea of ideology kind of driving the question of, you know, why is this man born blind? And then the presuppositions that the that the religious leaders were bringing to the equation saying like, hey, we, we've already basically decided that. If you're if you're gonna identify yourself with Jesus or say good right. things with Jesus, we're gonna put you out. Mm-hmm. I I think both of those questions, you know, as they were as you were preaching, Jason, I was like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'm kind of tracking with you. But then I started asking, well, what what don't I sort of embrace the same kind of way of thinking about uh, my life when things don't go well? Like, don't mm-hmm. I start to think, well, is that because I sinned here, here, here? Don't I have this kind of uh, approach to uh, the world where everything's a consequence of what I did or what I didn't do. And, and it's almost as if there's kind of like a, a pseudo prosperity gospel that I can embrace. And, and I'm the one who's kind of driving my fortunes based on right. my good decisions, my bad decisions. So, so that really stood out to me, but then, you know, trying to ask the question of myself or the people in my life, like, well, what preconceived notions, what presuppositions am I bringing to the table? Uh, and, and saying like, well, if this happens then I'm out or if this happens, mm-hmm. I'm going to withhold my, my love or my faith and my right. devotion. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that was, that was sobering to, to reflect on. So right. spend some time there. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about a lot of that on Sunday, kind of the marketplace ideology that we have with God. And, and, and in one sense, that's actually how the whole story begins. Right. Uh, the disciples are kind of thinking this way. So Mm -hmm. uh, we talked a lot about this kind of presupposition that I'm supposed to have a comfortable life. Mm -hmm. And unless I really sin big time, then maybe something bad could happen to me. And that's, I think, kind of what the disciples are asking. You know, who sinned, this guy or his parents? You know, of course, we're supposed to have a comfortable life, um, but something must have happened. And really, Jesus kind of uh, diffusing that, overcoming that, but... To me, that part of the text, I mean, just in that first week, just the power of ideology, we we can kind of always go to whatever it is, whatever, whether we're looking at the blind man or we're analyzing the stock market or we hear about, um, you know, we when obviously we think very politically these days, we hear about <laughs> something, you know, some gun violence, we hear I mean, whatever it is. Right, we can we can apply our ideology very quickly and say, well, this happened because of mm-hmm. X, mm-hmm. Right. you know. And Jesus is, I think, kind of nudging us and saying, don't be so simplistic. Yeah, um, yeah. there's more going on here. Oh yeah, no, I um, and I maybe even bring it down to a more personal <clears throat> level. Uh, I know, like in parenting, for instance, um, it's so easy to get caught up. Well, I think in all of our Christian life, but in this, like, I can good decision my way mm-hmm. out of this. Yeah. which really is coming from a theology of like, we're always trying to like squirm out from under this um, total depravity. I absolutely deserve the wages of sin is death. It's like, you have to come to an understanding of it, obviously to um, 
to um, believe in Christ, to repent and believe in Christ. And yet I feel like even afterwards, I'm always trying to weasel out of it. And I can see it, especially when I remember one time reading a um, an article in the New York Times about this young man who went to college and was drinking and uh, carousing and at 3 a.m. I think this was in Princeton. And he climbed up on top of a um, like one of those electric cars or something and grabbed mm. hold of a live wire. And oh, of wow. course it caused catastrophic um, danger. But I remember thinking, I mean, catastrophic injury to his arms and legs. And then he became a doctor. The article was about him uh, ministering or not ministering because he's not a Christian, or, but he was helping people who suffer and helping them um, under make sense of suffering in the world. But I remember thinking my knee jerk reaction was, um, hey, I should warn my kids about this because I think moms are always thinking about all the worst case scenario. But B, like that happened because just like you said, like the smugness, like like that wouldn't happen to me because right. I live in a certain way. And yet Jesus um, would always turn up the heat like he did with the um, that story. I think you mentioned about the Galileans who were murdered or the killed tower by, fell right in the tower falls. Like Jesus is like, yeah, but what about the suffering that is completely out of your control? Right. So you can and you're like, oh, OK, why is that again? Because of sin, because of the fall. And like, I'm a part of that. I deserve to perish. So I don't know. It just really stuck this time again, like seeing those places in my life of smugness of I can good decision my way out of this. Like when I look at my kids and I'm parenting them and I'm giving it like I can I can make good decisions and they can make good decisions and we can all like not perish. Yeah, it, it feels like one of those passages that bids us to not see our lives as compartmentalized and like, OK, I could be a Christian in this area of my life, but. But really, I don't need to see the world through a biblical lens in this area of my life. And the, the, it's just it's an interesting coincidence, I suppose. Um, but over the past several weeks, month or so, I've had a lot of conversations with people where they're asking why. Like, why mm -hmm. did this happen? Mm -hmm. Why did I experience this suffering? Why did my mom or my friend mm -hmm. experience this suffering? Mm -hmm. and, and it feels like we can so easily miss the forest for the trees here. We, we want to zoom in and, and ask the why question. And, and that has all these like, you know, ideological, uh, it leads us in all these ide ideological directions, but, but it feels like the scriptures over and over again, ask us to back up and say, well, because God's doing something. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. God's at work in this the world word, and he's got this big, yeah. big purpose and big story that he's telling and working. And, and we have the, the privilege of being a part of that. And sometimes that's through learning something through crummy circumstances, right. or sometimes that's having our faith being fortified by having an opportunity to trust in Christ in less than ideal circumstances. But uh, if if all we're ever doing is like zooming in on the particular tree and trying to say, well, what does this mean? What does this mean? Uh, it, it feels like we're going to end up missing so much of what the Lord has for us and find ourselves in this kind of constant state of angst and questioning when we're being invited into joy and peace right. and, and, and something just overall better. Well, and it's it, revealing of what our like, idol or god really is i mean right. i think like in all of that we're saying yeah because our idol is comfort or personal comfort or our i you know it's 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 not i want my life to be leveraged whatever way for the glory of god because in him there's the fullness of joy and in, and in mm -hmm. him there is life it's like no can god just help me uh you know create this kind of perfect life and i'll mm -hmm. obey you god and and it gets kind of back to that marketplace understanding of god right 
where the but the good is not relationship with God. The good is like comfort and blessing. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's what you were kind of getting at, Jackson. Right. It's like a pseudo prosperity gospel. It's not saying give a little bit to get a little to you know to get a lot or sow a seed in the ministry to be blessed by God. But it's sort of like that. It's yeah. saying like, look, as long as you obey, as long as you make good decisions. Yeah. God will, you'll, you'll kind of have to, you'll checkmate God into having to like give you these exactly. external blessings. And that's what you really want. And what's underneath that is a presupposition that maybe we don't really deserve what we deserve. And it lessens like what Christ has done for us. I and mean, when we should be so, if you're in that place where you just completely understand that you deserve to perish, um, then you are so overwhelmed by the goodness and grace of Christ when you see that, yeah, you deserve this and yet he's willing to heal you. And I think that's what we see in the Pharisees that they were coming at this whole thing with a presupposition that they don't deserve, like they have a lesser um, culpability than other people because of this, you know, how well they've kept their religion or whatever. But anyway, I see that in myself and I can, this is how I can diagnose it, like how I'm responding to um suffering you, you were into born into life. utter sin and yet you would challenge us like right. it's this like who's this blind man to come and challenge us i mean and and i think you said this in one of the teaching you know meetings jennifer i i just think that's such an interesting exchange between the man and the pharisees here he's been healed this amazing thing has happened to him and the pharisees want to suppress him because they don't really want to see God at work because their presupposition of if I'm righteous, God will bless me and I like my life or whatever it was. It was so powerful that anything that would challenge that, even if the thing challenging it was the very work of God, God. they uh, are eager to suppress him. They're eager to put him down. They're eager to not see it. Um, It's an incredibly powerful statement. So there's the, the power of ideology, you know, wanting to apply our ideology in all these circumstances and there's this power of presupposition and preconception. Um, and, and you know, that kind of gets to another thing I want to talk about, like the, the case study I looked at in the second week, talking about the man's parents. Yeah. That, I mean, this has happened to their son. I mean, their son <laughs> has been healed. And yet even they, because they desire the real world of the synagogue, they desire the true material blessing of the synagogue, are unable to think, God. They're unable to praise Jesus. They're unable to grab a hold of Jesus. They want to distance themselves from Jesus um, because, you know, of course, he's a threat to them. He's a threat to what is real when, in fact, he is the ultimate real. And and, mm. and I think that's why this is so pertinent. Yeah, uh, That gets back to the syncretism. Have we bought into a Christianity that's not very Christian or a Christianity that's not very Christ-centered? Right. You know, but not very much about Christ. Right. Yeah. I think one week you pointed out that it was the synagogue for them that was the most real, um, which again is so sobering that it can be um, the most, you know, religious thing um, in in your life that can actually, um, you're substituting the reality of that or you're seeing reality in that as opposed to reality in Christ. Well, and I think this is one of the reasons that we need revelation, right? I mean, Without the Bible, without Jesus, the thing that was deceiving them is very hard to see, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so this is one of those sobering passages that really, you know, makes you dependent on what God has revealed. And and I think we should not look at this in a proud way and say those stupid Pharisees, we should look at this humble way and say, okay, 
what are what are my blind spots here? What are the presuppositions keeping me from seeing the work of God? Right, right. Have you listened to that um, the Gospel Bound interview of the historian Molly? Orphan? No, but oh, I, my word. I, I've I've tried two times <laughs> and something's wrong with my podcast app. Yeah, uh, me too. It's exactly Have what you, you said. Just, okay, <laughs> no, no, I've if never. Colin Hansen is listening. Right. Right. I've, so I've been trying sorry, to listen Colin. to your podcast. I, I did, in an effort to listen to that podcast, listen to like a couple other gospel <laughs> really good ones. episodes. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's no, I mean, it's such an art. She's so articulate in saying what it, because she was a, she's a historian, just for some context, that has, and a Christian a journalist who had written about um, religions. So her whole life was, you know, very faith adjacent, I'd say. Um, and yet she had all these presuppositions and it's such, she's so articulate about what it's like to be blind before you see the light. Yes. And to your point, it was only the revelation of the word where she just had to, and the resurrection where she had to wrestle with, is this true? Yeah. And, but, and yet without the word of God, she never would have had the light, um, to see, um, and to come to believe it's fascinating. I highly recommend it. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's, I think where, you know, and again, there's a whole other passage we haven't gotten to 22 to 42, but that is where we landed on Sunday. Um, you know, some people are saying this guy's insane. He's yep. got a demon, but the believers are really anchoring their belief in this thing that Jesus has done. Namely, right. he healed the man born blind. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they, to that to your point about the resurrection, I mean, I think that's a great, way to think about this like they, they can't okay well you know look yes it sounds crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> yes it sounds crazy that a man from nazareth that lived two thousand years ago is the king of the entire universe he is god but i have to do something with the resurrection i have to do yeah. something and, and obviously there's more to the resurrection i would say the resurrection and the effects thereof right right, right. And so I have to do something with the birth of the church. I have to do something with, um, uh, you know, Will Carlisle, who is incredibly eloquent and is usually talking from these microphones. Um, but he, uh, Will Carlisle, was talking today about, um, in a previous meeting, about how death doesn't stop Christianity. Mm. Yeah. But like, every, like other movements are very dissimilar from that like you know the movement kind of stops with death but with christianity like it just it goes on because obviously there's there's a lot of layers to that you know it's bigger than one person and of course the hope of the resurrection i mean Mm -hmm. and so anyway yeah well and and that's you know kind of summed up in the blind man's response it's like he doesn't know so much like he doesn't know how jesus healed him he doesn't know the mechanism he doesn't know everything about jesus's character Mm -hmm. his identity but what he does know is that he was he was blind, but now he sees. And so there's all these people who have lots of information. Most likely, they're very learned. They've they've studied the the law before. They realize that like some of this stuff is kind of tracking with what mm-hmm. God has said in the Old Testament. Um, and yet they're they're walking around just like willfully choosing to ignore it. it it's almost it's like Zoolander. It's like I'm taking crazy pills here, right? They're like all the evidence is in front of their face and they're saying, yeah, no, I'm just going to ignore it. The, the emperor has no clothes, right? But the blind man says, hey, look, all I know is, is that I've spent my entire life experiencing one thing 
And then mm-hmm. now it doesn't make sense. I'm experiencing something completely different. And so he has the the good sense to be able to say like, it seems like, you know, God has answered a righteous man. Whether he is a sinner or not, not, I I do do not not know. know. (laughs) But I do know this. I was blind and now I see him. And that's such a, that is actually like the clearest articulation of like, I would say saving faith. Like, I mean, Jesus is in that, in that, in that points to, I mean, that that's what's so interesting about Christianity is there is a resurrection. Mm -hmm. You know, there is this like historical truth but at the same time, like there's also like regeneration, you yeah, know, right. and so it's and it's not just one and it's not just the other, you know, it, it, you know, Christianity is not just this mystical thing, right? nor is it just this historical kind of factual thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really both. And it kind of has to be both. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can, you know, I've heard Matt Chandler say, like, you can't checkmate somebody into, you know, Christianity. And I like that. Like, you yeah. you. There, there has to be an enchantment that like, yeah. I would just, I guess like, you know, the Bible speaks, this is not me speaking, but like the Holy Spirit, the Father calling, like whatever is happening there, there's mm-hmm. some enchantment that's happening in the human heart where all of a sudden the resurrection, which I think, you know, it, it, I've tried to, I mean, obviously I'm a Christian. Obviously I've thought about the resurrection a lot my whole life as a Christian, but I've tried to kind of think about it, um, you know, as a unbiased person i mean you know again i can't i cannot do that i want to be clear about that but i've tried and at some level you know when i try to think about the resurrection as an unbiased person like it is a hard thing to contend with yeah yeah and 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 that's when i get like back to the and and again i i am a regenerate person (laughs) you know yeah and so the holy spirit shining light on all this for me but i'm saying i i've tried to like do the thought experiment of thinking about it from a you know just historical perspective and it, the the resurrection itself is hard to contend with. And then to me, the other part of that, and I just kind of gave reference to this, is what I would say, like the effect of the resurrection or the response mm-hmm. to the resurrection. Like, mm-hmm. how did all these guys like just give their life for this? Like, yeah. how did how did this thing? It pers- worse. It's a lot of coincidences. Right. And it's yes. like you, you got to have something to be able to contend with this. Right. Like. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless yeah, God's but the coincidences something. really don't make a lot of sense. I mean, you know, yeah. N.T. Wright, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he deals with a lot of these like culture shaping things that happened in the wake of this, right? Where, where something big had to have happened, you right. know. Um, if you were studying the history of humanity, and um, you know, somebody said um, there was no COVID, like COVID never happened, or whatever. You would you would have to give some sort of explanation as to like why office leasing went way down after 2020 or (laughs) why like Zoom meetings, you know, Uh and Microsoft Teams or whatever went way up or, you know, whatever else there is that was the effect of COVID. Why Peloton, you know, sales went out the roof. Right. I mean, you know, and so at some point you you. Even if you could, even if you could somehow like disprove this event, there's like so much around the event, right? Um, that like something happened that, you know, either the whole world was fooled, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or like something amazing happened at that time, and that's kind of right. what N.T. Wright does in that book. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what like is happening in John Ten here. You know, they're saying, okay, well, <laughs> you know. The, <laughs> The, this didn't just happen like 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 how is this like 
you know, they're saying, well, this man has a demon, this man's evil. And other people are like, well, he opened the eyes of the blind. Like yeah. something has happened here. Like, how can yeah. we, how are you just dismissing this? But that's yeah. like the, um, I think C.S. Lewis talked about like his, um, you know, what was so hard for him to come to faith was that he had this mind that enjoyed myth. And then he had this very reasoned, um, you know, way of logical thinking. And it's like, he was always struggling with that. And, and only in Christianity can those two things be um, wed again. It's like made us whole and that it's reason and imagination, like you said. And whenever you try to divorce those two, the you, you can't arrive. You can't arrive purely through reason. You can't arrive purely through imagination. It's only in Christ that those things can be even um, resolved. Yeah. And, and that, that's, you know, you, you, you round out chapter nine and there's that incredible uh, section where Jesus seeks out the blind man after he's been cast out. And I loved how you even put that in the sermon that, that the blind man yeah. finally gets what he's wanted his entire life. Yeah. And then because he, he has eyes to see and he like says that he immediately is cast he gets out. Kicked out. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. But, but Jesus doesn't just let him get kicked out and he's like, Oh, now he's worse mm -hmm. off than he was when he was blind. But no, Jesus seeks him mm -hmm. out. He, 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 he moves towards him in his need. But then there's that that sobering proclamation of or declaration of judgment. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those that see may become blind. And so it seems like, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's part of the reality is, is that some people, they have this spiritual blindness where they can't see. And, and yet at the same time, Jesus is opening people's eyes so they can see, they can right. perceive reality. And so, you know, what do we do in light of that? Well, I mean- you know, the only thing I know to do is to preach the gospel and yeah. trust that that God will open eyes, open and, eyes. and that yeah. God will give the gift of faith and and cause faith to erupt in people's hearts because there are blind people who just can't in themselves perceive God. They can't yeah. in themselves take the scales off. And so um, there really are blind people. And, and, that, and that pushes us, I think, nicely into chapter 10. Like, you know, I would say keep preaching the gospel, keep pointing people to Jesus because he is the door, right? right? Right. And he's not just a door, and there's so many great analogies here. Mm -hmm. He's the voice, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He needs the good shepherd. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd like to kind of hear y'all's reaction to chapter 10. I mean, these analogies that Jesus is giving, the door, the voice, the good shepherd. Um, would love to hear some of your reaction. And then I I, I want to deal with this whole hired hand question that we've been submitted to us. But yeah, yep. but let's talk about just these analogies for a second. Yeah, well, I just imagine the scene. Um, the people have been very, you know, the, the Pharisees are the only religious leaders that they've ever known. Um, they're the ones who seem to have all the information about who God is and how to please him. And then their world has just been turned upside down with all of, you know, Jesus' teachings and his... Uh, healing and on the Sabbath and all that. And this is just a very dramatic moment where you can kind of imagine this chaos in this kind of like kangaroo court situation where the blind man's cast out. He sees Jesus face to face. Um, he makes this amazing statement. And yet you can imagine all these other people like spilling out and kind of a confusion. Like what if you wanted to believe the blind man? And mm -hmm. yet you yeah. knew that everything you'd ever known, you know, I mean, this was like a, a big cost. And so Jesus like just goes right to the heart. Like what is the problem here is like, you need to know who to follow. You need right. to know who the good shepherd is. Let me, let me demonstrate. Let me teach you. Let me show you yeah. who, who the good shepherd is. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's a question of legitimacy too. You know, I've similar to what you're saying, Jennifer, there's been times where I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the, the, 
the shoes of these folks in the first century. They're hearing rumors about Jesus, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're hearing that he's powerful, that he, he maybe he healed somebody, mm-hmm. he, he casts demons out. Like, and and you they kinda, might, they're probably hearing it a lot because multitudes have been right. healed of things. Yeah. And, and you go like, is this is this too good to be true? Like, what's right. going on here? But but your religious leaders, the people who have been entrusted with some sort of responsibility over your soul are saying, mm-hmm. no, like he's not the real deal. And and, so, and you've been burned by other messianic figures. Yeah. So there's yeah. like, there is some, what you could call it bitterness or skepticism or disenchantment already. And so absolutely, there's a lot of layers to uh, the person in ministry of Christ. So yeah, to, to kind of write these people off and say, oh, you know, um, they should have seen it's more obvious. Well, it really wasn't that obvious. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But but then Jesus comes as a good shepherd and he, and, he's, and he gives that image that says, look, I am the door, it, you know, and, and you enter by me. And anybody who enters, you know, by climbing over the, the pen or tries to enter in an illegitimate way, they're a thief, they're a robber, right. but I'm the real deal. Like, like you can trust me. You can rest easy because... Uh, what I bring to the table is is truth is is as you said the real real I love that that phrasing um, the ultimate reality has arrived and so you bind yourself to me like you love me you trust me you get on board with me then you're good I think that that is something that I wanted everybody to get is like we have been so trained by the enlightenment to not I I, I think that one of the great things about like that middle section of John 10 that we looked at last Sunday is the division of the crowd. It doesn't leave room for the imaginary, you know, friend, the good teacher, the, Mm -hmm. you know, historical figure that you can learn a lot from like either Jesus should be totally rejected as demonic and foolish and an idiot, or he should be, he, he, he has to be received as Emmanuel, God with us Mm -hmm. that has come to save us. And, um, yeah. And so I, 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 I wanted to like, I think the text is doing this obviously, but I, I really want to create that like understanding among our folks that like, actually there is a real, real mm-hmm. and it's not the stock market and it's not your house and it's not your bank account. And it's not anything else that kind of the enlightened world may tell us the real, real is, do you know God or not? Yeah. And how do you know God? And, and, and do you know God as he's revealed himself to be too? Yeah. I mean, then that's another issue with our age is a lot of people will say, well, I know God, but, God really is this kind of like image that they've created in their, in their head. Do you know God as he's revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus Christ? That's the question of the text, really. Mm-hmm. And it's actually like an incredibly pertinent and powerful text right now in this very moment. Yes. And to see uh, when you were talking, uh, just to see that like how much we've been discipled uh, um, by our age in thinking like by industrialism and utilitarianism and pragmatism. And we really want a God who will do for us and who will, um, you know, that's useful to us instead of this point that you, and and truly it's the kind of, um, you know, paganism that's always been where you wanted a God who would like help you with the harvest and you wanted a God who would help you with fertility and you wanted a God for this. And we, we even still today will treat God as this kind of very, as long as he's useful to me, then I'm okay. And Jesus says, which we saw the people like struggling with, you know, all through this story. And Jesus says, no, I'm the good shepherd. And here's how, you know, I'll lay down my life for my sheep. And that I think just goes right to, I mean, you can't deny the goodness in that. Who, 
who would die for a friend, much less die for an enemy. Um, And it pushes us to this place of like, no, God has revealed himself to be God and we have to take him on his terms. But when we do it, there's only abundant life. Yeah. Amen. There was a question about the hired hand and how it relates to religions. And, And I actually think like you're kind of getting at it, Jennifer, I think the hired hand analogy kind of can cut both ways, right? I think we can treat God like our hired hand. Yeah. Mm. You yeah. know, I've done this, 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 and this, and there you've had to do, you have to, you know, do this for me. And I think we can understand, you know, God treating us as a hired hand, you know, of like, well, if you mess up, you know, you're out or I'll curse you or I'll condemn you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not how God talks about himself or certainly how Jesus talks about God. God is this beautiful, loving, shepherd that loves and lays down his life for his sheep the covenant that god has made with us and this is an amazing thing to think about it's not some sort of covenant that you know we enter into we, you know uh, uh christopher walken talks about a u-shaped relationship versus an in-shape relationship and so the in-shape relationship is we reach up to god and then it's kind of like god lists down this list of duties that we need to do, mm-hmm. and then we can kind of earn our way back up to God, the mm-hmm. in-shape. He's saying, actually, the relationship with God is a U-shape. God yeah. comes down, enters into a relationship with us, and then brings us up to That's himself. himself. And, yeah. and that is what Jesus has done. He's come down, he's come to be among us. He has lived the life that we could never live, but we should have. He's lived yeah. the life we should have lived. He's died the death that we deserve to die. Yeah. Um, and he died in our place, taking on the wrath of God. And now he has been raised. Now he has come back from the dead. He's been renewed from death to a a life with God in God's presence that he calls us into through faith. And so Jesus is taking care of everything. Um, And that's why he is such a good shepherd. And and I love the analogy of the sheep and the shepherd. He's, you know, as long as we'll just find our identity and rest in him, he will lead us to all the places we need to go. Yeah. And, you know, what you're describing right there, Jason, like theologians will call that the humiliation of Jesus. Yeah. You know, so that's that downward slope of the you. And and I think in order to get this point, have it really hit our hearts, we need to just get how, you know, what the Lord gave up by taking on humanity. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that downward slope of his humiliation essentially says that every breath that Jesus breathed was a breath of humiliation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this was this was God, true God of true God, light of light who decided willingly, voluntarily in love to make himself finite, mm-hmm. to to have to experience humidity or heat or hunger or uh, have to go to the bathroom. And and it's not just that, it went all the way to the point where he would be mocked. He would be rejected he would be despised he would be beaten he'd be spit upon he would be crucified mm. and and so we're we're not talking about someone who's a little bit better than us experiencing some hard things and then ultimately like making a great sacrifice on our behalf we're talking about the god of all glory the one who colossians 1 said is is the preeminent one yeah, yeah, yeah. the mm. one who created all things and for all things the real real the real the real, real. real. <laughs> that's the one who stood in between us and the 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 so-called charging bear you know like i've mm-hmm. i've thought about this image before with the hired hand i've got two cats and so i appreciated you honoring cats in this past sermon <laughs> i'm not kind a cat of. hater I know. you know I, I love cats i think cats are great dogs are cool too but yeah. i didn't have room for a Here's dog people's problem with cats is they <laughs> want cats to be dogs yeah yeah 
If you want cats to be dogs, you'll always be disappointed in cats. (laughs) Yes. But if you just let cats be cats, they're kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't have to take my cats for walks, and so I really appreciate it. No, they'll get out there. They'll kill birds and stuff. Cats are cool. But if I were to like... Sorry, go back. If I were to go out of town and hire somebody to be like a pet sitter for my cats, and a bear came along, Mm -hmm. like, they would leave. They would leave my cats, and my (laughs) cats would be devoured. Nobody would like stand in between a bear and my cats. But if I were like walking with my children out in the woods... And a bear came and went after my kids. You better believe I would put myself in between that bear. Right. And right. I would get devoured. I would do everything in my power to fight off a bear because mm-hmm. I care about my kids in a different way than a friend would care about my cats. Mm-hmm. And, and what we're seeing here is, is that Jesus, he, he's not like some you know pet sitter who's going to just give up the job the first sign of discomfort or trial. No, he's the one who is motivated by a pure love a self-sacrificial love to the point where he's willing to open his arms and say, take me instead. Yeah, mm-hmm. even though he is, the shepherd is greater than the sheep. I mean, yeah. ontologically, yeah. essentially, yeah. <laughs> exactly. the shepherd is a human being, the sheep are <laughs> right. sheep. Jesus is the son of Same. God. We are mere uh, immortals. And yet he, you know, condescends or humiliates himself to die in our place. I mean, it, it, it just meditating on that thought, and that is just the, the central fact of the gospel that makes it so powerful. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's also why Philippians 2 will say, because of all of that, because he was willing to condescend and not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, the name above all names has been bestowed on him. Mm-hmm. And so the name uh, that, uh, so on heaven and earth and under the earth, every knee will bow to the praise of the glory of God because Jesus was willing to do this. And so, um, yeah, God is or Jesus is worthy of our utmost worship in mm-hmm. light of the fact that he would be willing to experience such brutal humiliation in love on our behalf. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you start to like think about what's going on here and the fact that Jesus is the good shepherd who has all authority, as you mentioned this past week, who laid his life down should lead to utter devotion and worship. I got nothing else. I was gonna say I got nothing. Well, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I really enjoyed the little study. Of course, we got one more week, John nine and ten, um, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna the talk back is back, and so all right, um, we've got after this series, we've got a sex and dating series coming up and you better believe we're going to have a sermon talk (laughs) (laughs) I bet we're going to have a lot of questions too I know well I've got a lot of questions so (laughs) i got to get ready for that uh, sermon series but for Jackson Randall and Jennifer McClish I'm Jason Dees thanks for listening once again thank you for listening to the Sermon Talkback podcast if you have any other questions after listening or if there's anything else you'd like to discuss with one of our pastors, please don't hesitate to engage our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And once again, if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you and have a blessed week.